Welcome, everybody. This is Black Talk Sacramento number 19. Number 19. 19. That's a good number. Almost there to the 20 spot. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Word. (laughs) Well, we would like to welcome everybody to Black Talk Sacramento. We're streaming live. I don't know if we're streaming live. Okay, we may not be streaming live. (laughs) But we're here at Underground Books. We're streaming something. (laughs) We're here at Underground Books, 2814 35th Street. And what's the phone number? Number to that? Seven three seven three 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 three. three. And a, and a, and That's four three, folks. <laughs> three three three, three, three and another three three three. 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 Uh, <laughs> so, okay, yeah. my name is Marshall J. Brown, and I am Antonio. Tony, quote unquote, Harvey. Oh, he had to put a quote unquote there. You know um, I'm inside. Ah. All right, so we're going to do our, our opening theme song here. Are you ready? Let's break it in. All uh, right. Oh, we, we, we don't have the bass here. We're just today. a trio today. We have, we, have, we have somebody that's yeah, taking I'm, the bass. Yeah, I'm going to take the bass. Okay, okay. Hey! <laughs> I was trying to get my Western on. I couldn't get the Western part. Hey, that was, that was one of our better ones. Hey, I had to do a little squeak on there if I wanted Western. <laughs> but I, I, I can't do Western. I, I, I don't like Western at all. Um, um, country, I should say, not country, but country Western. Country, country, country Western. Hyphen Western. Country hyphen Western. All right. Um, so yeah, we got a couple of events I want to put out there first at, happening right here at the at the at the um, at the underground books. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. So if you need a book, if you need anything, I, I know that um, is it spring or summer? Summer's coming up, right? Is it? Uh, we're, we're in spring. spring. We're yes. in spring. We're yeah. in spring, spring right now. Spring has what's, sprung. What's the what's the what's the rule of spring? Is it wear white in spring or what is it? All you women folk. What is it? Uh, certain certain colors you're supposed to wear in spring, right? Light colors? Light colors. Yeah, yeah you know. Is it light colors in spring? Oh, wear whatever you like. <laughs> <laughs> you're not playing by the rules. <laughs> she a rebel. We got, we got a rebel up here. <laughs> and who rules are these? <laughs> fashion fashion rules. I don't know. Okay, you know, okay. that's been, it's time and memorial. Um, so we have, um, right here at Underground Books, we have a couple, we have events happening all the time. Um, so if you have little ones, you have, if you have a little tater tots in your life, um, tater tots, tater tots, <laughs> running around, you know, that need ketchup, like ketchup boy. Uh, so, um, so uh, we have a children's story time, uh, winter spring series, winter and spring. So we coming out of winter, going to spring, and now we go into the summer. Uh, we have books, reading, act, and activities. We have ages three to eleven. Wonderful. Come on out here and let the children be read to. I mean, instead of popping them in front of the TV, you can come right down here at the Underground there Books on Saturday at twelve. Noon on January 16th. Oh, well, we already passed January. April 23rd. Come April down here. 23rd. April 23rd. April 23rd. I'm going all the way down the And they'll be, April 23rd. Read, they'll be reading the book, uh, My Brother Charlie. My Brother Charlie, yeah. Who's yeah. the author? Yeah, the author is, I don't know, Holly Pete. Holly, Holly, Holly Pete. Robinson Holly Robinson Pete. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. right. That's, that's, yeah, she Holly does Pete. have a series of uh, uh, children books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it's hugging really tight there. I don't know about the dog licking. No <laughs> <other> dog. <laughs> but yeah. And, and it will be featuring the River City Roadrunners. Yes. Who, who are they? 
Because I keep I, every time I hear that name, I'll be like, beep, beep. That What's organization's that? been around for a while, but they, I know they distribute children books of all kind, you know, at certain events. Because I've hmm. been to a couple events where they where they yeah. do that. So oh, okay. book fair, Very correct. Cool. Right. Oh, they're gonna be at the book, hit, book right. fair. Oh, yeah. Now, do they do they do they dress up or they don't dress up? Okay, they're right. one of those proponents who are costumes. trying to. Make uh, sure no, that the kids but no outfits, mm-hmm. because you know, Roadrunner is kind of you know. I kind of see outfits and stuff. Yeah, that's very. They're one of those uh, programs that bunny ears. You know, trying trying to ensure that uh, children read by the age of third, that third, third grade. That they can get to yeah. third grade level. Okay, okay, okay. That's good. very cool. There's about three groups around here like that. And they're they're one of them. Yeah, because I I didn't. Yeah, my yeah. Mm, mm-hmm. Okay, so um, <laughs> discussion and book signing um, at Underground Books. We got Larry Talafaro. Telefero? Is it Telefero? Talifero or Telefero? Talia Ferro. Well, one of those names um, is Seven. here on uh, Saturday, April 16th. Come on down here uh, from, from 2, two to, to 4. four. Yeah. Um, Grandpa's backstory uh, after facing the realization uh, that Mr. Talifero uh, was going to become a grandfather. He seemed important. It seemed important to tell his grandson something about his family history. Dun, 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 dun. So, um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> we don't know what that, what that will be, but hey, you can come out here and find out. Yeah, so come on down. It's a, it's and, a mystery and, thing. Yeah, I don't know. And you can ask questions. It's a book discussion, so that should be great. Yeah, yeah, come on out here, have a nice literary conversation. Author. Yeah, have a conversation, intellectual conversation with somebody instead of, you know, talking about, you know, um, um, Bay's new song, you know. Uh, you can come out here and have an intelligent conversation on something other than pop culture. That'd be nice. So, yeah. All right. Okay, all, yeah. Right. all right. So who do we have here as our first guest? Well, 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 well. Well, we well, have, well, well, well. Let me, let me introduce a very... I like uh, you put four whales on that. I like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. A very talented writer. Um, I first met her through... Uh, Charles Curtis Blackwell. Um, I was uh, in the midst of writing and publishing a book, uh, Heritage, and she wrote a short story that was just amazing. So I, I had to definitely have her out. Now she has her own series of books, or her own book that she's promoting. Um, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let me tell you a little bit about her. Jerry Spencer Hunter is a native Iowan and a graduate from the University of Iowa College of Nursing. Her writers have her writings have been published in numerous anthologies, and her debut novel, Polka Dots, was published in 1998. She is a wife, mother, grandmother, and great-grandmother, a retired public health nurse. She lives here in Sacramento, California, with her husband, Hunter, a retired uh, mechanical engineer. Ladies and gentlemen, Jerry Spencer Hunter. Thank you. Yes, that's very exciting. Welcome. We, we'd like to welcome you. We've been trying to have you. It's, it's probably been like six months or so. Yes. That I've, I've asked for you to come, and finally, it has happened. It's happened, and thank you very much. I'm very pleased to be here. All right. This is an interesting. I've not done a podcast before. So well, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you know, interesting. this is an idea that came up from a uh, our friend right here, uh, Lawrence Dinkins, uh, <laughs> and he gathered everybody together. He was like, hey, I got an idea. Let's do a podcast. And we was like, okay, how do we do it? What do we do? And he said, I got the equipment. And we we got together and we came up with some ideas and we wanted to focus on Sacramento. Fantastic. You know, what's the, uh, the things that are happening here in Sacramento mm-hmm. for African-Americans? So we let's talk about you. How long have you been writing? Uh, I started writing in the late 80s. 
Okay. I, uh, I've, I've always been a reader. I mean, and I, I still read two and three books. I'm reading two and three books oh, wow. at one time. But I never thought about writing, you know, and and everybody has a story, of course. Right. Uh, but I never really thought about writing until we moved south and I couldn't find a job. Okay. So, <laughs> well, they had, a, they had a freeze on public health, so. So, so. You, when you say move south, you, are you talking south of Iowa? Or? No, I'm talking Southern California. Southern, okay, Southern okay. California, <laughs> okay. yeah. Yeah, because we— still the south. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> but, no, I'm talking Southern California. We moved out there. My husband took a job. Oh. And— uh, they had a freeze on public health, okay. on, on hiring on public health. So oh. I was looking around for a job and couldn't find one. So I thought I need to be doing something. So I took a creative writing class. Okay. okay. And that's kind of what got me started. Wow. Because we had to keep a journal. And if you've ever kept a journal, it's a, it's a task. It is. It's, 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 it's very much a yeah, task. It's yeah, it's very much task-oriented. It was to me when uh-huh. I first started. But, you know, she had, we had to write in it every day. She didn't care what we wrote as long as we wrote every day, every day. Because writing is like anything else. Right. The more you do it, the better, better you, you supposedly get, get at right. it. So, <laughs> so that's how I got started. Okay, so what are some of your favorite books? Oh, my. I have so many of them. In fact, I've got a list of them that I brought along because I have so many. And it keeps changing. I keep adding okay, to okay. it. Okay, <laughs> okay. Um, ju- I'm, I'm now reading um, Toni Morrison's new book called Children of God, uh, God's, God Help the Children. Okay. And it's real different for her because it's actually written in now time instead of, you know, instead of she usually is kind of historical. But I'm reading that now. Uh I've read so many. Let me just give you a list. Of <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, you got a list of books that you've read? I do. Well, oh, I had this cool. started because I was doing something else, and um, I had it kind of as a handout for people. Kind of like a reading list? Yeah. Well, not necessarily a reading list, but just some of the books that I liked. Okay. Kind of like your top 20, right? <laughs> <laughs> and some of them you probably never heard of, but... Um, the Temple of My Familiar by Alice Walker. It's an old book. Nah. Fantastic story. The Women of Brewster Place. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Gloria yes. Naylor. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> Tomorrow They Will Kiss. Says This is uh, Eduardo Santiago. I've gotten into a lot of uh, people, other authors of colors okay. books. Uh, Tumbling by Diane McKinney Whitstone. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Mother Rose read that one. Because okay. uh, I'm, I'm, bl- I'm drawing a blank on all these. <laughs> I uh, feel really the illiterate. Fir- the first novel that uh, David Coben wrote, Brown Sky. Oh, okay. It was yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. A Place at the Table, Love, Toni Morrison, uh, Smelling Herself, Terrace McMahon Grimes. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, Girl on the Train, Paula Hawkins. There's so many of them, I, I can't go through all of them. But, okay. Because I, I like all kinds of, of stories. You know, I like fiction, nonfiction. So what got you into reading? Well, how, how did you become such a big reader? I've been reading since I was a little one. But but how did, I mean, did somebody impress that on you? Did your mom, your grandma? Your... Well, probably, but I just don't remember that because uh-huh. it, it was always a part of me. Okay. Yeah, so reading was always right. a part of oh, me. So you came out the womb reading. Huh? Um, well, no, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't you're think like, so. Lord, <laughs> you're like, I hate that book. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm the youngest of um, 
11 children. Okay. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. So Are you I, the middle or the... Or I'm the, the youngest. Oh, oh, you said the youngest. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I'm yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so you're the youngest of 11. Oh, my God. Yeah. So you're the baby. Yeah. Oh. So that, you know, I had all those siblings that were into things. And I'm, I'm sure that's, you know, as I say, I really don't remember how I got into reading, but I, I've been reading forever. So... Okay. Yeah. Oh wow! And I've always read. I've always read two or three. I'm always reading two or three books. So as a, a as a kid, what was your what what was the mo- the book that stood out to you as a kid? Because I know I have I have a favorite book that really tackled you know that woke me up um, as a reader. But what what was the what was the one that that did it for you? Uh now, Lawrence, you have to remember, I'm 80 years old. <laughs> <laughs> so going back to okay. childhood. I mean, a teenager or whatever, you know, but a book that, that really hits you, that hit home to you. It could be the, the color purple, whatever it was, but is, yeah, there, the color, is, there, is there a book that like, oh my God, you know, uh, this is what not, not really. literacy is all about. This yeah, is what, not um, really. I, I really oh. can't pinpoint one book that oh, really okay. got me into Okay, into so you're kind of a, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, just, you equal know. opportunity reader. You, yeah, I mean, I, my, I I have a lot of interests, so okay. Uh, I'll pick so up. So, do a you book like science fiction, or, or are you? Like... I do like science fiction. Okay. I like I like I like most genres. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, you all over. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I can't write. I mean, I don't write science fiction, uh-huh. but I like it, okay. and I don't read it a whole lot. But okay. but I like most genres: okay. mystery, cool. romance, oh, wow. history. So nonfiction, that, that is a, fiction. Wow, such so, a big so, reader. So, so your first book was called Polka Dots. Yes. Okay. What was that book about, and what, and how was the process of writing it? Was it hard? Uh, did you start out with like a storyline, or what was your process? Uh, it, uh, my first book was Polka Dots, and it was a relation book. It was about uh, a woman that was a writer, uh-huh. and. Uh, she had she got published and she was married and she happily married, but she kind of fell into this relationship with her publisher. Okay, and he was much younger and he was a white. Just to put a little, you know, put a little tension in right, there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a little jungle fever in <laughs> But it was like you know, people. I think we when we meet our mate, you know, we mm. marry, we don't know who we're going to meet down the right. line. Mm, right. So I, I, in my head, it was like, you know, you meet people, you're attracted to somebody. You don't necessarily act on that, mm-hmm. but you know, you have attractions, even though you're, you're married and you're happily married yeah. to your spouse. Yeah. You can't, you're not uh, dead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but that's what polka dots was about. But instead of her, you know, they kind of acted on their impulse. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it, so the book is about the results of, you know, because we, when we do our behaviors, there's always consequences. Yeah. Yeah. And not just to us, for everybody, you know, that surrounds us. So, so, so what was it that made you decide to say, I'm going to write a book? I think after I did the creative writing class, I had a very good teacher. Okay. It was in Riverside, California. She was very good. And she told me, she said, you know, I think I'm going to see your name in print one day. And I mm. thought, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even write a paragraph. On it. <laughs> but uh, she really she really encouraged her students. Mm. So that kind of got me. You know, I thought, well, maybe, maybe you know, who knows? Mm. Uh, and then when I came back to, to uh, Sacramento, I got into critique groups. And which is very helpful, you know, other writers and they, they were writing stuff. And I thought, you know, I can, I, let me try this. Okay. But it, then I found out it wasn't easy. <laughs> right, right, right. And the process, the process is you start, you get 
my process. Uh-huh. I get a, an idea in my head, and I should outline it, but I don't. I don't work with outlines, and I think I think I should because it would probably progress quicker. You know, my thought process. Right, but right. <laughs> but I get the idea in my head. I start writing it, and. As the story goes along, you're constantly changing it. Right. And that's the, that's the one thing I really had to learn when I started writing is that because I would write a paragraph and I'd read it and I'd change, change it. Every, it time yeah. you re- every time you read it, you <laughs> right, right, right. and that's still, that's still the way today it is. Right. Because yeah. I look at my book yeah, now and like, I thought, oh, I I yeah, yeah, I pick it up I, I thought, oh, I wish I could change <laughs> it. Right, right, right. And, and you, you're stuck yeah. on that first yeah, page. Just, you know, it's like yeah. you never move yeah. past that Yeah, first page. you never get past that. Right. So, so I finally learned that just go ahead and write, put it down, and then go back and look at it because you're always going to change it. Right. Yeah, and so. So are you one of those writers where your characters take over? Take yes. over your. They tend to, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I thought they that was, alive. I thought that was so. When I heard writers say that, I thought, how can that be? You're mm-hmm. writing the story, but it's really true. You know, yeah. they kind of, oh. kind of take you where they want to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Do you? Um, and I think you know, writers sometimes have to. Do you go into these writer blocks? And if you do, how long will it take you to snap up out of them? I don't really. I don't really think so. When when I'm kind of stuck, I start another story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I'm I'm writing more than one story at one time, because if I I'm writing on one story and I kind of get stuck there, then I'll start another story and start writing on that. Or sometimes I'll just write, you know, on the story that I'm stuck on. I'll just start writing, and it doesn't it doesn't have to make sense, but I'll just start writing something about the characters, and eventually, you know, the ideas will come where I want it to mm-hmm. go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I'm always writing two or three stories at one time. Oh wow! So yeah. are you a, are you are you a short story writer? Do you like writing short stories? I do too? write short stories. Okay. Uh-huh. Right. We I belong to Zyka, which is a creative writing mm-hmm. group here in Sacramento, and what we do, what we used to do, is we would pick. We first we started with with letter with numbers. And you could just write anything you wanted, you know, like from the net. But it always had to start with, you always had to have the number in there somewhere. And it was really interesting because it really helped creatively because your mind could go right. all it's kinds a writing of ways. They give you a prompt. Yeah. And, like, okay. and it also was interesting to see um, the different things that came out mm-hmm. of this one number or phrase or, right. pair, you know, all the different stories. That came out of it. It was amazing. Yeah. 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 Sounds like a good group to be a part of. Yeah. yeah. How many books have you authored so far? Um, The summer of my 15th year is my second novel. Okay. Yeah. Polka Dots was my first. It was published in 1998 by Rijiji Press. Uh, I've been in a lot of anthologies. Zyka has Mm. two anthologies out, coming out with the third one. And I'm in there. So I've been in a lot of anthologies. Mm -hmm. Actually, uh, anthologies are a good way to get started writing, yeah. I think, mm-hmm. you know, when they call for submission for for different kinds of anthologies. I usually try to submit something, whether it's taken, so you do know. So do you get paid if you get picked, or is no. there like a pay? Okay. No, you usually get a book. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, hey, I might want to submit to something. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Summer of, of My 15th Year yes. is your new book. Yes. Uh, it was just released. Uh, it was released in December of in 15, December. Okay. 2015. And, okay. and it is published by Blue Now, uh, Blue Press. Now which okay. is press, which Dr. is uh, Dr. Coven. Yes. 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 So let's talk about that book. What is the book about? Well, the book is about the Netter family, and um, I can kind of just read a little bit here and Mm -hmm. read a little bit from the book. 
But I'll tell you, I'll give you a little short synopsis first. Okay. The summer of my 15th year is about the Netter family. Mama, Papa, Big Brother Charleston, Charlie, older sister Rebecca, Becca, and the youngest member, Etta. They live in a small Iowa town where nothing much happens and everybody knows everybody else. Papa sells insurance. Mama is a housewife, but sometimes sells for the rich white women on Main Street. Charlie attends a small Southern college. Becca just graduated from high school, and Etta is turning 15. It's summer, 1937. The depression is slowly easing, and Charlie is finally coming home. Everybody's excited, especially Papa, who dotes on his only son. In Papa's eyes, Charlie can do no wrong. Charlie, on the other hand, is in no hurry to return to the small, mostly white town of his growing up years. He likes living in the South. It's music, parties, pretty girls, having his freedom. He always has some flimsy excuse for staying, even during the summers. Papa is finally tired of his excuses, insists it's time for him to come home. So Charlie packs his bags and his trumpet and goes back to a place he knows hasn't changed, a summer he knows will be full of boredom, and a family he figures is also unchanged. The surprise is Etta. The summer of my 15th year is her story. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. So I'll just read the prologue. <laughs> <laughs> and this is, Etta is now... When the, when the book first started, Ed is like 86, and she's telling her story. Oh, okay. She's, she's recording. Her friend has this young friend that she's known, practically raised, keeps telling her she needs to tell her history. You know, she lived a long life. She needs to tell her history. And she's kind of reluctant to do that because she knows that history is history. You can't change it, you know, and, or delete all the parts that are ugly or so. But she finally decides to, to do it. So. Okay, okay. Prologue. I ease into my favorite chair and stare at the intimidating little machine on my formica table. It's tiny and rigid and cold. How can it possibly hold all the memories crowding my mind? They're flipping through my thoughts so fast I can hardly keep up with them. How could that little box allow them to run and play, laugh and cry, fuss and fight and love like memories do? But I, I promised Francesca I would talk into this gadget that's so foreign to me. And I will, Francesca, I will. But first, I have to get a handle on my memories. My 86 years could keep getting in the way of my telling. Like the big white house with this wraparound front porch where I was born and raised and still live, where Becca and Charlie and me recklessly pushed each other in the swing that hung from its wood ceiling back and forth, back and forth, until Mama yelled stop. How we acted like we hadn't heard and pushed even harder. Where we argued over marbles, the color of the rainbow, the size of peas and grapes and baby onions, and Charlie bullying Becca and me for the biggest and the prettiest before shooting them in all directions over over its warm floor. Becca and I shouting, they're outside the circle, and Charlie ignoring us. Where on hot summer days we munched on Mama's ginger snap cookies and gulped cold lemonade from shiny tin cups, scooping out the uneven ice chunks with our fingers, our bare feet sticky from the dripping liquid. Like Papa, our Papa, tall and big and light-skinned, with fuzzy, sandy-colored hair, he was smart and talkative and outgoing, religious. He seldom drank and never smoked, was a deacon in the church. 
I remember falling asleep in his lap at Sunday services that seemed to last days instead of hours. I remember him walking us to church on cold winter nights to practice for our Christmas program. I remember him and Mama teaching us our pieces. I remember sitting in the back seat of his old Ford car, squeezed between Becca and Charlie, fidgeting for more space. Becca fidgeting, too, and Charlie teasing me. I remember Papa scolding Charlie and Charlie bumping my shoulder hard as payback. And Mama, pretty, pretty Mama, with her cocoa brown skin, huge brown eyes, thick, long, kinky hair, and ready smile. Her voice was soft and gentle until Charlie or Becca or I got out of hand, misbehaved, tried to show off. Then it was loud and harsh and threatening, surprising us, always surprising us. I remember how smart Mama was and how talented. She could sew clothes, all kinds of clothes, that looked better than those sewed at Sears or J.C. Penney's. I remember Becca and me standing like statues to avoid the pinpricks and Charlie grumbling about wearing homemade clothes. I remember her her hair pressing, and me trying not to cry when the hot iron got too close, and her whispering sorry with tears in her voice. I remember Becca laughing until it was her turn. And Charleston. I called him Charlie. He was the oldest and the only boy. Papa's favorite. Charlie could do no wrong, and whatever Charlie asked for, he usually got. Becca and I were jealous of Charlie. Charlie was cute and looked like Papa. He was pampered, arrogant, egotistical, and spoiled, but he was also funny and smart and bossy. When we played hide-and-seek, he was always a seeker. Becca and I knew he was cheating, didn't really have his eyes closed, because he found us too easily. He could draw perfect chalk boxes for hopscotch, and when we played, he never missed a square. On winter days, he pushed our sleds down the small hills, hopping on the back for the ride down. He took us to and from school, walking so fast Becca and I could hardly keep up, laughed and teased us for being scared by the weekly radio mystery series, The Shadow, and Rebecca. Pretty lonely Rebecca, who I called Becca. She was moody and private and smart, smarter than Charlie, aloof, she didn't always act like a big sister, sometimes treated me like a nobody, like we were enemies instead of siblings. But sometimes, sometimes, she acted like we were best friends. We had tea parties with our dolls, dressed up in Mama's old clothes and shoes, tried to play duets on the piano. We giggled over girly stuff and fussed over nonsense. She helped me with my numbers, my letters, taught me to tie my shoes, and read to me for hours. Memories. I shake my head to clear my thoughts. I can't possibly tell them all, don't want to tell them all. So I decide to just stick to the ones that had the most impact. I push play on the strange little machine that I don't completely trust yet and start my telling. Oh, the right. summer of my first year. <laughs> so how long did it take for you to write that? I don't know. It was probably, because as I say, I'm writing two and three Worked on two and three uh, manuscripts at one time, uh -huh. so I'm sure it was over a year. Because I, I wrote it, and then there were parts of it that I had really had trouble sharing uh -huh. once I got into the story, and I had to get past that. But uh, so I'm sure it was probably a year, over a year. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So yeah. Where, where can uh, people pick up the book at? They can get the book at Underground Books. Okay, all right. Uh, they can also get it on Amazon.com. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so how much is the book? $15. $15. And yeah. is, is Polka Dots also available? Uh, 
not through the bookstores, but I if people are interested, I have some in my garage. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so so does the book have some sexy sexy scenes in it? Or? Yeah. Okay. Oh. oh. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I might have to buy that. <laughs> she's like, uh, uh, uh. Oh, she's got one. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, that's the polka dot book. Okay, so you can get in here. So let's hear it. Let's hear underground. Yeah. <laughs> we got yeah, both books. We got the underground yeah, and the uh, yeah. two books. Yeah, yeah, two books. So um, yeah, that's awesome. So are, are you a, are you a, um, are you a country girl or are you a city girl growing up? Well, I certainly wasn't city because it was a small town. Okay. But we didn't, it wasn't rural. Okay. I mean, it was just a small, a small town Iowa girl. town, yeah, where mm-hmm. every, as I say, where everybody knew everybody else. But, um, yeah. you know, yeah. it, was, it was very, very few blacks in the town. So blacks really, every black knew each each other. You know? Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, how did your family arrive in Iowa? Uh, they were from the South. Okay. Uh, they were from Alabama. Okay. And they were farmers down there. Oh, okay. And, but they, <laughs> the the um, bell weevils got into their crops, so they it was really you know they were really having yeah. a hard time. So they started migrating north, and I don't know how they thought how they learned about Iowa, but they knew that Iowa had farms. Okay. So they so they migrated up to Iowa, but when they got to Iowa, their farms were so much bigger. You know, and, and of course the crops were different too, right, but the, right. the the farms were so much bigger than what they had in the South until most of them that migrated up, uh, they didn't they didn't farm. I mean, they found other other jobs, other work. Which yeah. city were you? Were you uh, close to Des Moines? Or? Yeah, close okay. to Des Moines. Yeah, Des Moines was about fifty five okay. miles. Des Moines, Ames, Ames. Mm-hmm. Okay. Iowa City, where I went to school. Mm-hmm. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Jerry Spencer Hunter. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm thank this. you. <laughs> thank you. That was awesome. Oh, that was great. That was great. Yeah, thank so you. Invite me back. <laughs> <laughs> Write another book. <laughs> are you publishing? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and we will definitely invite you back. Okay. Uh, are you working on any other books? Oh, yeah. Okay. 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 I've got one. Uh, I've got one about depression. I tend to write about things that People don't really want to talk about well, it, you okay. know, and depression okay. is one of the things in the black community yes. that we don't want to yes. talk about. Yes. Yes. But, true. you know, we have it and it's OK to have it, yeah. but mm. it's not OK not to do something about it. Yeah. Okay. So and That's I'm true. writing a book about well, the, the depression book is called The Lunch at Nine. Okay. Mm-hmm. OK. And I got that title. I was I was doing my grocery shopping and I go early. I, I do everything early because I'm a kind of a morning person. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was there as soon as the store how opened. Early? Wait a minute, how early? <laughs> like 6.30. Oh. <laughs> well, at least it's not 4. <laughs> <laughs> no, not that early. We <laughs> <laughs> waking up like, Mama, get back to bed. <laughs> Just but, be doing housework and stuff, opening window shades. <laughs> but I do, I do start early. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, the, the night people were still there because I, I go so early. I went as soon as the store open and everybody knew me and we'd right, talk right, and carry. Yeah. So the one guy was saying, you know, he says, oh, I'm going to have, uh, he was looking at his watch and I, he, he says, oh, it's about my lunchtime. He said, I have lunch at nine. Uh-oh. And I thought, ah, what a good title. Yeah, yeah. yeah so great. I stole the title, but I didn't know what I was going to do with it. Mm. Oh, and so you just put it on the shelf. And yeah. Came, yeah. Yeah. Something that matched that. Yeah. yeah. And then I, then I thought about the story, when I was writing my story about depression, I thought, hmm. 
I'll, I'll put it, lunch at nine fits this yeah, because okay. depression whacks you out. Right. You know, you're all off schedule, schedule and everything. Yeah, the clock yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's why I got the title. And then I'm. I am working on one about seniors. Actually, I've got it finished because I think seniors people don't write about them either. Much, That's true. You know, That's true. it's not yeah. much of a. I know it's not much of a seller because people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, considering the growing senior population, population. you think that more people would put dip? Yeah, you, know, you would. That. Yeah. And yeah. now since I claim I finally decided I am a senior. <laughs> but it's, hard it's, it's, oh, no. That was a hard one, wasn't it? It's hard. This, I'm telling you, this past birthday was a hard one. <laughs> but it's called uh, Strokes, Heart Attacks, and Murder. Okay. Oh. <laughs> you said Strokes, Heart Attacks, and? Murder. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's a mystery. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, is that a mystery? Okay. Yeah. Oh, a I, senior, a senior mystery. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Uh-huh. And yeah. then I'm writing, I'm writing, Working on one for public health because that was quite public health is a whole nother world, mm-hmm. and it's called where angels fear. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, yeah. All right. So whenever I get them published, yeah, yeah, yeah you're welcome. Yeah. You're definitely. Yeah, I love, thank you. I love okay. mysteries. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I love mysteries. Well, thank you once again. Thank, thank you. you. Okay. Thank you. All right. So, so Milton, what's on the what's on the um, on the radar for you? Just participating in a couple of community events. We have uh, a youth art exhibit that is going to be um, opening soon at Creative Connections Arts Academy High School. But we're going to be showcasing. It's the inaugural exhibition for the new studio gallery. Okay. Uh, we had a portable installed at the school and we turned the portable into a permanent installation space so that the art programs for the elementary school and the high school would have a permanent exhibition space where we could showcase the students' works. So the inaugural exhibition is going to be on April 27th, and we're going to be showcasing the children from the elementary school's work that I do in their after-school program. Okay. It's called Selfies. So, right. so these are the children that you're working with, uh, yes. some of your students? It's their work. It's a program that, we've, that, that, I, that I'm doing in both districts. I'm actually doing it in Twin Rivers District, and I'm doing it in Sacramento Unified School District. Um, the Twin River show is going to be at the new studio gallery that's on the high school campus, okay. and it's entitled Selfies. It's a self-esteem project. Okay, cool. And cool. it's rooted in the fact that, you know, we are trying to look at children and their use of social media because, you know, this is um, really the first generation that is growing up fully, you know, engrossed in technology. Right. So right. their whole existence is around technology, Snapchat, right. Facebook, Instagram, kick. So, you know, what's a kick? I never heard of kick. It's, it's a social media okay, app. Good. Write that one down. Yeah, I, I don't know about no kick. Every day is so new for us. They might be ingrained in some of We learned some new stuff here. Kick? I like kick. Kick who? Who you going to kick? How important is it, you know, for children to be uh, involved in the arts? Well, it's extremely important. Um well, one of the things I tell people is that, you know, for people to think that it's not important always puzzles me because I remember, you know, uh, you know, and, and I'm not a spring chicken. But when I was growing up, art was, you know, woven into your everyday, you know, school participation. Right. And it wasn't just visual arts. You had theater, you had right. dance, you had band, yeah, music. Right. You know, I mean, I appreciate it now, but I can honestly say 
It wasn't too cool getting on the bus with a baritone and trombone case. <laughs> take it up all You know, the like, man, why I got to take music? You yeah, know? Yeah. But yeah, you didn't have a sexy instrument. Exactly. That wasn't sexy. Trombone, <laughs> trombone baritone ain't sexy instrument. No, yeah, no, yeah, no. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, saxophone. You well, know, I had the yeah. sax. I had it. was oh, kind see, of yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know. still a big case, too. Yeah, it is. It, it's you, awkward. It's but, awkward. It, but it's sexy, though. It's yeah. sexy. It's not no like. It's only sexy after you take it out the case, though. I would really carry the saxophone. <laughs> but the one thing, you know, that I that I miss is actually seeing young kids at the schools, you know, leaving school, holding their violin case, you know, right. holding their trumpet cases. I miss that. I mean, right. because that was something that seemed natural to me as a young person and to be at so many school sites and not see that experience. And then you only see that experience when you are probably in more affluent communities. Yeah. It, you know, it starts to really make you think about, you know, the discrepancy and how art played a role in, in my everyday upbringing. But I was I was fortunate. Um, I I actually got a chance to go to a public art school. So, but the funny thing is that they eliminated our theater, our dance, yeah. and our music yeah. during the winter break of my ninth grade year. Oh wow! Oh wow! You guys went. We school. came back. We came back after Christmas, and, <laughs> and they everything was, like, was gone. Huh? Pack up all of the instruments. They going down to Technical High. Huh. I was like, what? Whoa. So the very next year, we lost one third of our student body because parents didn't re-enroll their kids. Because they were there for drama and music. So we were a full art school when I when I started. This is the Renaissance School of Arts in North Oakland. Um, but by the middle of the ninth, my ninth grade year, we were converted because of budget cuts in Oakland to an all visual art school. Now, you know, for me, it worked out pretty good <laughs> because I, I, visual art was my focus. Right. But we but we lost a lot of people at that school. Actually, um, Money B from Digital Underground. He mm -hmm. was at my school. He was mm -hmm. he was one of the guys that I went to school with. And he transferred after his ninth grade year and went to Berkeley High to continue to pursue music. And then I have a friend, Krista Collins, who left uh, because she left because she wanted to do theater. And then she ended up becoming um, a filmmaker. She's, she's a filmmaker now. Um, so, you know, looking at, you know, how... I went to art school and then getting back in the schools with my kids now, just seeing just seeing their face, getting them ready for their exhibition that's getting ready to open. And this is an after school program. You know, Creative Connections Arts Academy, you know, is fully immersed in, in, in the arts. They have art woven into their curriculum and then they have a host of after school activities for their children, too. So I'm there at the elementary school as an after school teacher. And, you know, this program that I introduced to them um, is actually called Selfies. Now, we're doing the same program at Father Keith B. Kenny here in the Oak Park community okay. um, as well, but we're doing it with 7th and 8th graders. And it's a self-esteem self building project. We do art, but we, you know, deal with issues that are relevant to them. Right. So we're working on their thing right now, and it's the whole, the whole premise is how you see yourself greatly impacts how others see you, treat you and judge you. Okay. So can you see what I see? And, and, and the projects are designed to get them to not only look at themselves and their behavior, but to also look at the messages just being in, a, in, a, in an urban community, you know, can weigh heavy on people. Right. And how much right. do you let your surroundings dictate your own behavior? And then by behavior, how much of that actually dictates what your presence becomes? Because sometimes you can just read someone's body language and tell that they feel defeated. 
Yeah, yeah. And you can see somebody walk into the room and they light up the entire room. You know, that's all in how much they believe about themselves. Mm. The one thing that I find interesting in trying to use art to come back is external self-esteem. Because kids are so concerned about what they have on. You know, do they have the latest shoes? Do they have the up-to-date jacket or whatever? And, and that's just a mask. They're just trying to camouflage things that internally they might be hurting or not, you know, openly honest about or willing to deal with and camouflaging it by their material dress. Well, well, oftentimes what I have noticed, and I think uh, Umar Johnson said this too as well. I was watching a video where he was talking about this. And, and it made a lot of sense where he's talking about that, you know, we buy all this stuff to add worth because we don't feel worthy, you know. And so we buy this stuff to, to, to boost our worth, in, you know, to ourselves to say, hey, I, I, I am somebody because I have these shoes. I am somebody because I got this new hat. I am somebody because I can afford these things. And if you can't afford those things, which, you know, growing up, I did not. You know, I had, I had the pro wings, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> 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 or as they call it in the hood, the roach wings. Yeah. So um, I had pro wings at one point, too. So. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> You're not so, alone, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, where you feel like, oh, my God, do you have somebody down there that got the new Jordans? And it's like, oh, man, he must be somebody. Because he's it's the same thing with the cars, right? You got these people that, and and I think that's what plague us as as a people as well is that we 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 have this external self worth thing where you have to we kind of putting value into the wrong things. Yeah, well, yeah. we it both we we think those things add value to us, mm-hmm. you yeah, know, and yeah. we surround ourselves with those things where um, where you don't know, look into the mirror and without anything on and say, hey. I am somebody already. I don't need anything else to add to this. Well, the you one know, thing, I'm actually putting this is everything else is icing on the cake. You know? Well, yeah. And, and if you look at young people, because my, my whole thing is this, if, and, you know, and, and I'm just going to keep it 100. If you, if you work 60 hours a week mm. and you want an expensive car and you can afford it, treat yourself. Yeah. But I don't know too many fifth, sixth, seventh and eighth graders that work 40 hours a week. Yeah. Yeah. Which means somebody is providing this for them. Yeah. And, when, and when I see children come to school and they are adorned mm-hmm. with $350 outfits, yeah. but they are struggling at grade level. Mm-hmm. Well, th- those are things. That's a serious that, issue. Yeah. And, and, and well, well, that's what I'm saying. It's like the, the outside it's, it's thing. It's being passed down to the children. That's exactly what's. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a plague. And, 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 and you know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to be, you know, so dramatic to say that it's, you know, a social disease, but it is external self-esteem. And you hit it on the head. And, and several scholars, Dr. Umar Johnson, several other scholars, mm-hmm. Dr. Cornell West, Michael Eric Dyson, they have, they have discussed this issue openly about that. But here's the one thing, and, and, and I'm a more practical, hands-on person when I look at these issues, because I'm trying to engage these young people and just to get them to see something that's very simple. Are you excited about learning? And what excites you about learning? Well, that's the other thing, too. I mean, and that's very that's that's indicative of the whole situation. Right. You had the whole push to 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 save money and they pushed art out of the out of the curriculum. Right. Exactly. And and by doing that, it is proven it's scientifically proven that if you have art in your curriculum, that it helps every other subject that that kid is in. So it it, it quadruples everything else is understanding is empathy. All that stuff is played into it because art is a form of empathy. Like you said, how do you see yourself from the outside? 
side in and then not only that, but but also know what you're feeling. It's a whole host of things. I mean, poetry, everything, visual art, is it all helps with the development of the eternal internal. And and by them doing that, by them taking it out, it has it has harmed us in a way, you know. And I, I really think that um, that's why we have to and you know push get it put back in if we can or I'm so I'm so grateful that you are working with kids in, in such a, a powerful way not, where, a, not a lot yeah. of them are, are that lucky Milton you know that <laughs> and that's true but let me make one point and you bring up a very interesting point and I just want to hammer it home look at music now I'm not a musician but I played an instrument you know in school from the fourth grade through the ninth and a half grade <laughs> I played instruments um, but I wasn't a musician Today, I would never consider myself a musician, but music is an integral part of my fine art. I do a lot of paintings that deal with music as a subject matter. One of the things that we struggle with, especially here in California and California public schools, is English as a second language. And it puzzles me that we don't increase the amount of music teachers in public schools. And there's an argument and people say, well, you know, we don't have the resources for this, but we have children that are struggling to learn the English language. But here's the thing. Every study, like Lawrence has just said, if you have music at a school, you are going to increase the literacy rates and the reading Reading at a school for two reasons. Mm -hmm. Language is communication. Music is. Is communication. communication yeah. Music is a language. It is a language. Yeah. Yeah. If you look at it's sheet a written music, language, yeah. if you look at sheet music and you don't know those characters, right. you don't know no, the language. You don't know the language. So there is a teacher it. in class teaching you, whether you're treble clef or bass clef, on how to read a piece of sheet music and not only read the music, now you have to pick up this three-dimensional object and instrument. And then translate. And then notate it. <laughs> right. And notate the sound correctly. But not only that, but you have to put filling into it. So now what is the difference <laughs> can't be between like, dur, 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 that and picking up an English book? And speaking it. And speaking it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or picking up a Spanish book. Or a math book. And learning it. Yeah. Or, or picking up a French book yeah. and learning it. It's all language. You, you listen to some of these hip hop artists, okay? You know, some freestyle, they can flow it right off the head, but then a lot of them. Yeah, I, know, I don't know how they do that, man. It's, they, it's hard work. It is. <laughs> but if you can do them both, and a lot of them can yeah. know, do it both ways, you know, because, I mean, it's writing. Yeah. It's incredible yeah. what comes off yeah. their brains on, on to a piece of they paper. They are geniuses. Yeah. Through music, you know, and, uh, and I don't to know do it in kids, a rhematic but it's, you know, it's like, pattern. But not only that, but you're coming off the head. And I mean, you you just doing it from from you know wherever you're getting that from, and then I, I've I have set set in on some of these ciphers. They call them ciphers, right? Mm-hmm. Where they they get around in a circle and then they have these battles, right? Yes. And yeah. they just do these things, and it's like it's amazing. It's almost like watching a drug dealer count money, right? <laughs> it's like when you watch a drug dealer count money, you're like. God damn it, you you a genius. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Like, Drug is a businessman, you know. You know right? yeah. Not like, in the right I'm business, like, but he's a businessman. I know man. it's like, man, you doing mathematical equations. Yes, and stuff, you yeah. know, you're like, where my money? Well, how you know I can you. you know. But <laughs> <laughs> you owe me two hundred fifty dollars. I know, weeks I know. Ago. You're like, you know, like probabilities. He's like, nah, if you had all this dope, you should have been able to give me back all this. <laughs> but but you know, them doing that, it, it's, it's amazing. And then you rhyming it. Then having to rhyme it, and then all that didn't have makes sense. A heck of a talent. And then it makes yeah. sense where you be like, you have right. little punch jokes. People laughing and stuff. You be saying some crazy stuff. I'm like, oh my god! All through music. Yeah. It's, um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm still trying. You know, 
when I listen to some of these rappers today, I think they need that bouncy ball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> some of them you can't even right. say. I know. That's that trap music. That's that trap music. Admit it. That he be stretching some of those That's that trap music. That's that trap music. You be like, what the hell? You brought up an interesting point when you say watching a drug dealer count money. Um for anybody who has ever watched the um, the HBO series The Wire, they're, they're, it's like season three when they're talking to the young guys in The Wire. There's this one episode where one of the young guys is talking about he his name is Wallace. Um, he actually is the, the gentleman who ended up playing Apollo's son in Creed. Creed, yeah. Um, Michael, he was at, yeah. Michael B. Williams. Yeah, he was on he was on The Wire. Um, so in one episode, he's trying to tutor. The young little yeah. boys that he's looking mm-hmm. for. And he's, the little guy is asking him for help with his homework. And Wallace is like, you know, uh, telling him, you know, the word problem. And the little boy can't get it. So then he tells him, okay, if I give you so many vows and somebody hands you, you came a certain amount of money, the boy knew the answer right off the, right top. Off the top. And he said, yeah. now how can you keep the count right? <laughs> but you can't do your school math. Right. And the little boy looks Wallace dead in his face and he says, because if I mess up the count, you're going to get beat down. You're going to get beat down. So the, 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 the repercussion right. of something happening it's when violence. you don't get that study right, <laughs> right, right was his motivation to learn it. Well, that's, so, that's, that's okay. So go ahead. We, we, we look at the one thing and say, children today, they don't think that there's any repercussion if they go to school and don't achieve it. But, but not only that, it's not, yeah. it don't even speak to their life, to what they're living. You know, mm-hmm. and 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 that's that's the problem with a lot of the SATs and stuff in nature where yeah. it don't really, you know, they ask them these questions and it's not it's not really about their life. They don't know what a what a vestibule is. You know what the hell is a vestibule? You know, what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, they don't know what you know. Culture here, okay, man. you're like, what the hell is that? So mm-hmm. you know, and they don't, you know, it's like breakfast nook. What's that? What's a breakfast nook? But um, <laughs> so they so don't. it's it's a it's a very it's a very interesting uh, um, um, problem. So what we're gonna do right now? We're gonna have you sit in on our Observer News. Well, 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 we have another. He has another event. Oh, he, you have another right. one. Other than uh, selfies? Yeah. yeah. Other other than the two events we have with our youth, we have an art talk that is actually coming up here at Underground Books okay. with uh, Dr. Monica Crooks and Anna Marie. Okay. Their work is currently on display here at Underground Books. And Very the, nice work. The too, art talk well. is yes. going to take place mm-hmm. the last Saturday of the month, okay. April 30th, okay. and it's going to be titled Two Points of View. And it's going to be an intimate conversation that I will moderate with both artists. Um, And the work is phenomenal. I mean, if you haven't come to the bookstore, come in, check it out. Dr. Monica Crooks is a a licensed dentist, but she does paintings um, in her spare time. And they are wonderful works of art. And Anna Marie is a celebrated author. She's a published author. She's a poet, um, spoken word performer. (laughs) But once again, if you want to see these ladies work, it is on uh, walls here at Underground Books. Uh, It's great work. It's great work. I really like that one. I like that. Really beautiful. It would be because very diverse stuff here. (laughs) Come on down, check it out. It's almost aboriginal. You know, it's almost aboriginal when you look at it. Yeah. All right. So we're going to do Observer News. Observer News. Observer News. Okay, so we got Tony. <laughs> Tony's going to do Observer News real quick. We have Milton sit in on the, on our political conversations, and then um, and then we're going to do that, and then we're going to well, call it the day. Okay, well, I, I will start here because it's, uh, yeah, Arco Arena, Sleep Train Arena, where the Kings were playing for twenty eight years. Sleep Train Arena about to go to sleep. This Sleepy Hollow Arena, that's what I call it, is about to go to sleep. What you what you but, call it? What you call it? Sleepy Hollow Arena. Sleep or <laughs> it's a dump. 
It's a duck. Talk about Ichabod Crane. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But yes, um, he's uh, closed down. The last NBA game was played this Saturday, April the 9th, between the Kings and Oklahoma City. And they brought back all the people who played from, the, not all of them, but at least 50 or more players that played from, you know, the 80s, the 90s. 2000s and of course oh, you know the fa- co- little family reunion. Was already, yeah yeah it was pretty interesting you know coaches administrators and the Sacramento Monarchs because they played in that venue and they won a championship WNBA championship in 2005 so a lot of them were brought back many of them still live here in Sacramento anyway uh, I know did the Monarchs move or something uh, that's uh, they kind of like went out of business, they got defunct. Yeah. yeah, they what? Mm-hmm. They got disbanded. Yeah, yeah. like a band. The well, the W. They were broken up. They were kicked out. No, they wouldn't kick out the league. Like new edition. Well, actually, actually, you know, the Maloose wanted to sell the team because they couldn't financially hold on to it. Yeah, they couldn't find a buyer, so they disbanded. That's jacked up. That was in two thousand nine. Yeah. At a time that the team was doing really well. I know. I mean, they just won a championship four years later. Uh, was making a playoff every year, and then all of a sudden, you know, something that inspired a lot of people around here. Yeah, a lot of know, women. Boys yeah. and girls and yeah. women, you know, yeah. men too, men alike. And so you had something to do over the summer, went to the wayside. But, yeah, as I said, they did bring uh, many of those members uh, back uh, for that occasion. And as you all know, the Sacramento Kings will pl- be playing in the Golden One Center in downtown starting in October. October, yes. Yeah, so yes. everyone's looking forward to that. 18,000 seats, mm. 500 million plus uh, arena, and um, how many? How, what? Since it's going to cost about 500 million plus when they're done completing it. And they're almost done. Uh, so, how much is the tickets? The, from, what I, <laughs> it, well, from what I heard from the ticket holders, because you know, the first. I know I saw somebody had, already on, sold online, somebody had some like. It's pretty tickets. pricey. It's pretty pricey. You know, it's not going to be like you're out in North Thomas and you can get a ticket for $17. Yeah. That's not going to happen. Yeah. That's not going to happen. It's probably probably went up 40%, I would say. Somewhere. What? Probably hey, but you, you're talking about a $500 million arena, arena and it's going to yeah. be downtown. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> got to make their money back, right? He said your ticket's going to be $1,000. $1,000. <laughs> <laughs> we got gotta 500 make people, money back. Well, well, it'll probably be what? Uh, the least expensive ticket would probably be about $40, huh? I, I would hope so. Yeah. I would hope so. Yeah. But it's gonna be hard. But it's gonna be hard to get a ticket anyway because you know it's a new venue, right? You know, right. and it's right down in. The, I wouldn't say the middle of downtown, but you know where they're trying to start everything at. Because you have Old Sac, you got the real yards, which they're right. trying to develop. Right. They're trying to bring housing, you know, people back to uh, Sacramento. So they're trying to you know do this thing, you know, with the mayor. 10,000 units in so many years. And, and, things, and, so. and the hotels that and, they're bringing in. the hotels, in. right. Yeah. They're going to build a couple hotels, and they're building one right now, right in the back of, uh, I wouldn't say the back of uh, the arena, but it's like at 5th uh, and J. 5th yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and J. And they just started the foundation on that, too. So, yeah, we'll be looking here at some big changes and probably uh, a lot more events coming through here, yeah. tourist attractions uh, coming through here than ever before. Right. Now, parking is going to be a problem. I don't care what anyone say, yes. you know, coming off a of high high uh, interstate 5, so be on the lookout for that and from right now you well, can pay pay 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. 
you know, your parking meters and stuff, well, that's going to be bumped up from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. Yeah, yeah, and there's been some people complaining about that. Yes, yes, yes. I think, you know, like, <laughs> the city already knew that they had to put this in place. Right. Because, like I said, they got to make their money back. They got to make their money back, yeah. You know, they it's put the up half the money yeah. for it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But also, too, um, one of the reasons why parking wasn't included in the plan for the downtown construction is because of the neighboring parking structures. Right. So in downtown, you have over a dozen parking structures that are in walking distance to the location for the stadium. So they're hoping to generate that business for those parking lots. Now, you know that those parking uh, lots are going to take full advantage. Oh, of the absolutely. So, I would. If I have a house down, if I if I had a, a house down in Sacramento, I was like, hey, park your car right here. <laughs> kind of like they do Oakland. Huh? <laughs> you get to check every hour on the hour, every 20 minutes. I got you. Just that's, pay your minute. bill. That's, 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 you can see the ticket here. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's, that's, Walk right up the street. You read, that's, yeah. that, that's that Negronomics. Yeah. <laughs> but, that, you know, with Milton the Sam, transportation is going to be like a moving object down yeah, there. That's yeah. going to bring a, a lot of money because. Well, we already know RT Regional Transit. They're going up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, what in July? Really? For the specific yeah. reason yeah. that this arena. Really? Yes. Yeah. Yes. See. Yes. You know and saying? they just hired more people to be on the train and make sure exactly for uh, uh, security. Well, <laughs> did they ever work out because they were talking about not well, running the make train it, in front like of York, the arena right? when uh, the games the are going? Yeah. On. Yes. They really don't have any other choice. I think you know if you're going to drop these people off as close as possible. You know, it, it it would be probably in their benefit to to let it yeah, go huh? because yeah. you know, it's going. You know, they're going to have to work out the kinks the first couple of years. But that's right. one thing they're going to have to do because a lot of people, you know, they live in El Dorado Hills and Roseville. They don't know anything about downtown. Right. Okay. You drop them off right in front of the uh, the venue, uh, go to one or G one C or what they're calling it. They would feel more safer. And you do I want guess, these people to feel more safer so they can come down and spend money. Right. That's I revenue guess, for the I city. guess right now is the time to become an Uber driver, huh? All right. So uh, a lot of people be <laughs> <that. laughs> <laughs> like, hey, I can get you to the, to the arena really cheap. No. So uh, uh, let's move on with. Yeah. Uh, also, that happened uh, the second to last game last week. The uh, pastor at Center Praise Church, which is down here in Midtown, Joseph Cisak, made a half court shot and won a vehicle. Yeah, from yeah. Folsom Lake, uh, what's that? Folsom Lake Auto Dealership. Today, I mean, this—he had no. Uh, first of all, he had no idea he was going to be doing this. He thought he was going to be participating in another fan experience, and he only have one shot to make this shot, and it's about forty-seven feet because the court is about ninety-four feet total, and he sinks it, boom, on one try. Went crazy. High-fiving the fans, high-fiving the players on the court. I think they were playing uh, Portland Trailblazers at the time. But it was it, it was just a great time for him because I covered just about every Kings game, which you all know, and no one hit that shot in a few years. And before he won a car. And he won a car. He won a car. What kind of car did he get? Okay, today I find out yeah, I seen that. that he's going to donate the money. He's going to have a raffle for a raffle off the car, raise up a money. Up to about forty thousand dollars, I believe, and he's going to uh, donate the money to some youth causes around right. here, yeah. and including uh, Center Praise uh, Church, which is, like I said, at Midtown. They have some summer programs. So he must he must here. have a good car already. 
Yeah, he well, you know, he said he and his wife already have two cars that they're buying right now, and uh, they seem blessed with that. So, you know, the Ford. <laughs> I the know Ford you, only, Focus, you only do something like that when you got a good car already. <laughs> I just go and donate it. You understand? It. <laughs> nothing, <laughs> like, <laughs> nothing is free. You got to pay taxes on those things. Yeah. <laughs> ah, there you go. Ah, ah that's a conspiracy. So okay, so it, so if you do it this way, it's just a tax write off. Oh, you 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 hit the nail on the head. Okay. <laughs> that's that's my boy, man, Tony, 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 Tony. He see all the angles. I looked at all the particulars <laughs> yeah, on okay, this. You okay. know, this. You know, the yeah, IRS. That makes, that makes sense. You know, that, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. You know, you ain't but, walking but away with no free car. <laughs> <laughs> we want, you know, the state of California is gonna get it. Yeah, yeah, they, they like you can do the what city you want gonna to get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just front over that ten grand. Right, 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 right. So that makes a lot of sense. Pass the CSAC. Which um, he took over for uh, Bishop uh, Parnell Lovelace uh, about a year ago down there. So he's the senior pastor. For him, for what he's doing, I think that's a beautiful thing because we are talking about, you know, youth and arts and uh, how, you know, these type of programs are struggling. He's talking about putting money back in to something that's, you know, it has a disadvantage. So uh, big ups to... Yeah, uh, yeah. Pastor, Pastor uh, Joseph yeah. Cesar. Yeah. yeah, very cool. Now, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Doug Banks passed away. Oh wow! Yeah, 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 yeah. Yesterday, yeah, yesterday. Doug, Doug Banks, Banks, radio Doug personality, radio talk personality. show, talk show. I mean, uh, uh, the Doug radio Banks talk, show, talk oh, host. <laughs> okay, well, for us that know, no, I don't know, know who us. Doug Banks is. <laughs> yeah, well, for us that know him, you know, on the radio, uh, he's been on the radio for. The, nationally for years for yeah, 20 years and, but and the show I personally was, the show was here in Sacramento for, it based out of Sacramento yeah, yeah for about when a, when the bomb first started yeah it was based out of Sacramento yeah. he was here yeah. and he would always uh, you know wherever he moved at around the country he would always mention Sacramento yeah and it was you know it was a music format talk show hosting you know he had a couple sidekicks DD and all but uh, I think something kidney failure. 50, I, I don't quote me on yeah, that. Yeah, but he it's was fifty six with diabetes. Yeah, diabetes. Okay. So fifty seven years old. Fifty seven years yeah. old. So obviously, it's been going on for a while. And then you know he did these um, entertainment venues with you know these ocean liners. You can go on these uh, right, right. These trips to like the Bahamas and thing. That was a big thing during the summer and stuff. Yeah. So he, you know, he did his part. He did his part. But uh, just uh, kind of sad to hear him go because. With me being from Illinois, uh, you know, house music was a big thing back in the late 70s, all through the 80s. And he was the DJ of uh, WBMX, uh, which played house music, you know, and then during the night, you know, he played the R&B stuff. And then he moved over to WGCI in Chicago and then became, boom, you know, nationally famous after that. So he he's came from a long way. And I think he started... With WBMX in Chicago, probably uh, 80, 81, 82, okay. somewhere around there. And, you know, over 30 years later, here we are. Now he's passed. Wow. wow. <clears throat> now yeah. he's yeah. passed on. I hope, yeah, he sounded so, like he had a good life, though. Yeah. 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 I well, mean, uh, little, to be in the business the silence, that he is yeah. that long and, mm-hmm. you know, he's a black American and, uh, you know, they talked about all type of issues mm-hmm. just like we do. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. they kept it real. So that's that's. That's something that's that's going to be missed and little that people know, okay. and especially people who listen to the radio a lot and, and like to listen to his show. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So what's what's next on the what's on next? The hey, we, you know, hey, we horizon. Can, you know, uh, it's always something going on with the Observer with me. You know, now that the uh, NBA basketball season is over, 
about to hit the pavement again. <laughs> okay, get around <laughs> the cover these events, okay. you know. Mm-hmm. Actually, right. what I want to talk to, which is, you know, the other host who was not here, uh, Gary Goss Simpson, was about this the voice competition. Was that it? Yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. The, uh, yeah, the, um, yeah, where they had an art fair. He stood in the, the long voice, line yeah. for hours yeah. and yeah. he got he went through down and, there. Yeah, and he auditions. Yeah, the yeah, auditions. Part- uh, yeah, but we'll so get that next on the next time. Trip. Yeah, next time he come around with we'll I saw, I saw. <laughs> from what we know, you know, uh, Mr. Simpson does have a musical background. He had a group. Uh, years yeah. way back, and yeah. Uh, yeah. he was the, one of the lead singers, and he yeah, designed their uh, he designed yeah. their uh, their their outfits and things like that. So he was in there. Yeah. He was a traveling uh, musician, so that must says a lot. He was yeah. getting paid. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, okay, let's move on to uh, other news real quick. So, um, um, Black Lives Matter um, tweet quoting uh, a a tweet, a Black Lives Matter activist tweeted public enemy. And um, the police uh, picked up, not, but the federal government picked it up, DOJ. And, but they have this thing. what, What I found interesting about this report, about this article, was that they have a, a, um, a program called Digital Stakeout. (laughs) <laughs> digital stakeout. Digital stakeout, where they actually they 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 can punch in search terms into this algorithm, and they can search these search terms locally, whatever locale they want. So they can pinpoint Sacramento and say, you know, um, you know, radical thought or whatever it may be, or or whatever, and then it will go to all the social media, you know, kick, I guess, too as well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> kick me. <laughs> so, uh, and then it, it goes through there and and search it and then find this person. So they found this guy that quoted Public Enemy um in one of their in one of their songs and and so they they've been this guy this guy this this black lives matter activist has been under suspicion because he quoted public enemy you know oh. it's just i know it's so so odd so but, you trying to tell me you don't have nothing better else to do but uh but yeah uh, but uh, but yeah but but stalk us online yeah okay my goodness <laughs> yeah okay and then an, another one is another story so we're gonna go through these really quick mm-hmm. um in africa uh boko, boko haram is forcing uh kidnapped children into suicide bombing um uh which i found very very interesting because um most most of the suicide bombers that they force them to do is our our girls, our little girls. Well, that's who they were kidnapping, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. So they kidnapped anyway, these little so girls and then forced them to do suicide bombing. You know, because they used they go into these schools, they shoot up everybody because they, you know, Western learning, and then they they kill everybody. But I guess they kidnapped some of them and then forced them to do suicide bombing. Why can't we wipe these guys out right now? This this is I know ISIS I don't know what the, what's going on. Well, well, Boko, such I don't know why, but I don't know why in Nigeria they don't do something about these. Because it's crazy. I mean, this this has Boko stop. Haram. I know. I mean, you think. They only in one portion of the of Nigeria, right? And they doing so much damage. <laughs> what? <laughs> Drop a nuclear bomb or something on you? Like, no, I ain't gonna say a how nuclear can you bomb. Go in there and kill a I, bunch I don't want to say a nuclear bomb or uh, FBI or whoever who looking at public enemy gonna be looking at me next and stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, no <laughs> yeah, nuclear yeah. bombs, yeah. Yeah. no nukes, no nukes. That was yeah. a joke. Even, even FBI, though, even though, women, CIA, even though. That was a joke. No, even though, even though, yeah, don't, don't, because you know they. All right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get us in blue. trouble, man. You know, a digital stakeout. So, um, um, uh, uh, yeah, it's and you know, Obama's been, been they've been developing these uh, smaller, um, smaller uh, uh, nuclear bombs that's supposed to be more. They must be smaller. Wow. Yeah. Really it's wow. really, really weird. Why, why would you even do nuclear bombs these, anymore? All right. Yeah. So and another thing, this is local. Sacramento uh, should approve independent redistrict, 
acting, which is cool. So no more gerrymandering. We're going to have an independent body. They did that the last time, and look what happened. Actually, you know. Yeah, isn't that the way that they said they said Park lose? Right, that's right. See Davis, right, right, exactly. Last time they said they were going to do that, then the next thing you know, uh-uh, we ain't doing that. And it's a reason why they do things like that. Exactly. We got to question and look around. That was a mess. Who's on this independent body? Right, 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 exactly. All right. Because and it, towards the end, they ripped up, <laughs> they ripped right, up the right. whole plan, and the city council took back over. So yeah, yeah. we'll see how that works out. Uh, do we need it? Yes, we do need it. Yeah, yeah, we do need, need it. Yeah, especially during this um, new election cycle. Se- yes, mm-hmm. voting cycle. Um, and then this last one for other news is uh, state auction uh, is, is uh, a large garage sale for Sacramento. So that's coming up. Uh, I put a link on the on the website on the show notes. So show show notes. So if you want to go to this uh, Sacramento auction. You can go to this. It's so they what are they auctioning off? Every, you know, it says garage sale. <laughs> we ain't going to go yeah, up there and see. We ain't going to see brothers. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> so if you need a, if you need Leroy, a, what you doing up there? <laughs> <laughs> if, you need a, if you need a new chair, you know. <laughs> the FBI. <is> <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> so if you need a new chair, go to the state auction. So a new, a new auction. <laughs> Y'all got nuclear bombs. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Um, Leroy gonna be there too. Um, I know because sometimes we miss out on stuff because we don't we don't get the information in time. Right. So right. You, you know you need a new monitor or whatever. So okay. Speaking of tech news, you got yeah tech yeah I got uh, Oculus Rift is now out. The Oculus Rift is out, so you can buy an Oculus Rift for five ninety nine and transport yourself somewhere. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So what is <laughs> what is an Oculus? Uh, what is that, that man? Word that you say? What? What is that? Oh, oh, well, you know, I, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, we're not tech savvy like you are. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, so the Oculus Rift is a device like goggles that you put on on your eyes, and you can actually transport yourself somewhere. Like if you want to go to the beach, you can put these on your on your thing, and then you can be there in the beach, or you could be inside of a video game. You can go. Okay, I want to be inside of a video game. I want to do this, but or what I like, what I would like to see happen is that you could actually transport yourself. Like for instance, if, if, uh, uh, underground books had like VR cameras in here, you could actually transport yourself here from say that you're in Washington somewhere. You could put the goggles on and you can go and see the art. You could walk around the art and look at the art inside of this virtual space. I've been been seeing this. I just didn't know what it was. Right. I didn't know what it was called because the Sacramento Kings have the experience center, which is down on J street. Right. And that's how they were engaging the ticket holders. And, you know, you're walking around in an arena yeah. before it's built. Going to the locker room. I've seen, yeah, in the locker and, room, and all these them, different rooms. you know, play fight. And it's like you're <laughs> right there. You're walking across the court, the whole nine. So, uh-huh. okay, I just didn't know what it was called. Yeah, though, snapping towels, you know. <laughs> you're like uh, being on the action. You know, but, yeah. <laughs> okay, like so. Snapping on towels. So, um, um, uh, so you could do, I mean, but but why I put this in the, in the show notes is that we got to get our kids into this. This is cutting edge. We have to get our kids into this. They are making, who knows where yes. this is going. And then the HoloLens is going to come out probably next year from Microsoft, where it's augmented reality. There's two types of realities. There's virtual reality and augmented reality. And augmented reality adds to the current reality that you're already seeing. So you hear, and if you put the glasses on, you can have advertising somewhere that only the people with the glasses can see. 
And then you have virtual reality where you actually transport yourself inside that environment, mm-hmm. whatever environment you, you can create a fictitious environment and go there and do that. So it's, it's amazing what they could do. Cause you can imagine that you have these augmented reality glasses on and say that you are um, in a situation where you need to learn how to put a tire on a car. You put the glasses on and you have all the instructions right there while you're trying to put this tire on in the rain. Or so is there somewhere here in Sacramento that our children can go to to learn more about this type of technology? I would say I would say the Hacker Lab because that's 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 and very where's, where's that located? That's downtown, and they they have three D printers, they have all this kind of stuff, and they they try to be um, tapped in into this um, bleeding edge technology and try to. Um, okay, so within the next two shows, maybe we could get more information. Yeah, get so, somebody from yeah. the Hacker Lab to come through, yeah. and then, and then maybe we can, we talk can to introduce them. that too because this is the first that I'm. Well, I've heard of it, but I'm saying yeah, it's I didn't been know in development for okay. forever. And and we was talking about this Johnny Johnny Mnemonic. Johnny Mnemonic. Yeah, yeah. Johnny yeah. Mnemonic. Yeah. Where you where you had this in the eight in the nineties where you like okay you put these goggles on and you inside a computer and you doing all this programming right, right. and stuff yeah. it's a common theme in in, in sci fi right in science fiction but now we have reached that point just like with Star Trek where you, with the flip phones we have reached that point where we are now living in the future where it's like okay we have caught up. To Johnny Mnemonic. Yeah, we caught up to the movie. <laughs> so it, it's very, you know, yeah. I don't know if I want to go into the Marvel universe, but yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know about uh, no yeah, superhumans. You know, some wanna... digital startups, folks. We need to get on that bandwagon. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, the possibilities is, is we are being left behind, and it's a real thing called uh, digital divide. Is a real thing, and a lot of our kids, the only the only thing that they have connection to is a is a phone. It's a cell phone. Yeah. That's the only technology that they don't have a computer. They don't have anything at home. They have to go to the library, do their homework, you know, and, you know, this is the kind of stuff that, that we being left behind on. And, and it's, and it's very interesting. So not only they are taking our arts away and helping us to learn how to think, but, but they also the tools, technology, the yeah, the tools, tools that, yeah. that, I mean, I, I remember growing up, I, t- I talk, I talk about this all the time. I remember growing up, I couldn't afford a video game console. You know, an Atari or a, a, a Atari, uh, and and Nintendo. I couldn't, I couldn't affect, couldn't afford that. And and some of these kids that had these machines are now video programmers. You know, right. and things exactly. of nature. And it's like those kids that grew up on that are now in the in a new tech. They are living. In that in that space, and and, and billionaires, yeah, and billionaires. Or, 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 or thousandaires, Not even 30 yeah, years. yeah. Not even Thirty years. <laughs> <laughs> I can, I, hey, I'll be a thousandaire. I wouldn't mind. Hey, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm a I'm I'm not even a hundredaire. So, <laughs> so <Dollar>. okay, <laughs> that's what I am. Any year, okay, a dime here, okay. So, well, it's like we were talking earlier when we were talking about local entrepreneurship, right? And you have to think about it. If you have a group of children who are only focused on learning to defeat a high score. You have another group of children who are learning how to program that high score. Right. That's your digital divide. Yeah, yeah, your, yeah, 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 yeah. And that's yeah. exactly right. I mean, you have you have um, the consumers, mm-hmm. and you have the producers. You know, are you on the mm-hmm. producing side or you're on the consuming side? And some people are on both, right? But but if you don't know that that thing exists, then you would never know. Because I remember um, when I was a kid, we went to this nuclear power plant in the, when I was in when I lived in Detroit and we went on a field trip and that was the first time I saw a hologram and I was like what the 
hell is this? <laughs> I'm glad you reframed. <laughs> you got to beat that out. I was like, what in the world is this? Right. You know, and it just, that, that was the first thing that blew my mind. It was like seeing Tron in yes. real life, you know, and, <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, this is a, and you walk around it, you see it's made out of light and, and that kind of thing that, um, it, it's so, it's so interesting. So, um, Yeah. So and then um, so we have to learn how to do these things and become content creators for these devices um, and everything's nature. And we have I mean, some um, it has gone past the web now. It's like now. I mean, can you imagine Facebook is going to be because Facebook owns Oculus Rift. So it's going to be a totally different thing. It's going to be like you put the thing on. Now we friends. I can actually go and visit you digitally. As a friend. Whoa. I don't know if I want that, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you. <laughs> I might want that. I think I'm with Mild on that one. I'm, I'll pass on oh, that one. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Don't be coming take, to my wait house. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Walking through that, the beach. That takes sex. That takes sex into a whole other level. House, all, come, coming to my house all over my kitchen and all yeah, that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm yeah. doing that. Uh-uh. <laughs> so th- this is the end of the show. And um, yes. thank you, everybody that came out. Thank you, Milton 510 Bowen. Yeah. Milton 510. Yes. Uh, we'd like to thank Mother Rose for allowing Mother us Rose. to have Life Dog Sacramento yes, here at yes, Underground yes. Books. Yes, and our author guest. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Miss Jerry yes. Spencer. Number 19 Spencer. is in the books. Um, and um, so this has been uh, uh, Black Talk Sacramento, number 19. Number 19. Number 19. Wow, man, we've been coming together. For I know, 19 times. 19 times. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and believe it or not, this is the only time we get together. <laughs> oh, no. it's, all, we, it's all good. We fair weather friends, you know. <laughs> We podcast in France. Yeah. So, oh, oh, well, well, before we go, we could we could talk about the one thing because it's coming up next month. We were nominated. Oh, yes. for oh. an award. Okay. Yes. Oh, congratulations! Yeah, yeah. 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 For, uh, best uh, best who, black talk. Well, I don't know. Best uh, uh, gabbers, gab, gabbing uh, people. TV show. <laughs> <laughs> best radio podcast. Yeah, show. Yeah, did, yeah, yeah. So yeah. the the award show is uh, next month. Okay. And, what day is that? May twenty third, twenty second. Yeah, it's like the Memorial Day weekend. Yes, yes. Um, yes. And I should have had the information here in front of me, but uh, you know we're gonna keep our fingers crossed, and we're just put up, happy to be nominated put up on the website. And, um, yeah, we'll put, put it, it up on the website. Look yeah, out for I'm that. A, I'm gonna come in there. Month. I'm gonna come May. in there. And be like, get out the way. Get out the way. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, like, make a hole. Make a hole. All right. So, um, <laughs> and um, yeah. So. That has been Black Talk Sacramento. I am Inside Eye. My name is Marichelle J. Brown. And I am Antonio, quote unquote, Tony Harvey. 